Open our Bibles to Genesis chapter 1. We'll look at a scripture, then we'll be seated. Genesis chapter uh, 1, and uh, we notice verse uh, 26. Uh, we're going to talk to you, part 2, on faithful and true. Genesis 1, in verse 26, says, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle. And over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created man in his own image, in the like in the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And in verse 7 of Genesis 2, And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground, and breathed in his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Father, thank you for your word today. I pray the eyes of our heart would be enlightened and our spirits would be strengthened. And that when we go from this place today, we will have grown spiritually and we will have been encouraged to move up higher in the things of God. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So we see, you can be seated, so we see that man was made in the likeness and in the image of God. So it is the will of God for us to be just like him, just like him. You know, there's a verse of scripture in Romans where it says that we are, uh, conf- we are uh, predestined to be conformed to the image of his dear son. Amen. So it is the will of God for us to be just like him, made in his likeness, just like him. Now, we looked at our text in Genesis 2, 7, that man became a living soul. Now, literally, living soul there means man became a speaking spirit. When God does something, he says something. God said, light be, and light was. If you do a study on Genesis chapter 1, you will see, and God said, and God said, and God said, and what God said came to pass. And what God says always comes to pass. So God has created us, not under the world's system, but he's created us in his likeness to function under the word's system, or under the kingdom of God's system. And in this kingdom, we have a new way of thinking. In this kingdom, we have a new way of walking. And in this kingdom, we have a new way of talking. If our God, or since our God says so, and it is so, we also ought to be saying what he said and see it come to pass in our lives. I am a speaking spirit. You are a speaking spirit designed to speak forth the word of the Lord, designed to call those things which be not as though they were. Designed to declare what the Word of God says. You will notice in the Word of God that God oftentimes speaks in terms of past tense. When you think about it, He has delivered us from the power of darkness. He has redeemed us from the curse of the law. In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. So God looks at things from already being done and already being settled. So that's what we must do. We must call our bodies strong when they feel weak. The Bible says, let the weak say, I am strong. We must call ourselves rich when the bills are stacked up and laughing at us. 
We must call ourselves filled with the joy of the Lord even when we don't sense it and even though we don't feel it. Try it on for size. Say it with me. The joy of the Lord, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Is my strength. Christ, has Christ has past tense already redeemed me from the curse of the law. I've already been delivered from the power of darkness. And this morning, I'm in the kingdom. And the kingdom of God is in me. I sow good seeds into the ground of my heart. And the Spirit of the Lord works with it and causes it to grow and to come to pass. Declare this, it'll all come to pass. What God has said, I boldly say. And it will surely come to pass in my life. Now look over at Galatians chapter 5. And notice with me in verse uh, 22. Galatians, the fifth chapter, and the 22nd verse. So, made in his likeness, just like him, he has given us his attributes. Now, notice with me. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. God would never tell us to walk in love and to forgive and to love our neighbor as ourselves if he hadn't furnished us the love wherewith we can love by. Amen. He's placed his love on the inside of you. The love of God is shed abroad, not in your head, but in your heart. By the Holy Ghost. I'm a loved child of a loved God. Amen. Amen. The family of God is a family of love. Well, what else are his attributes? Joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness. And what's the next one? The next one is what? Mm -hmm. Benevolence and faithfulness faithful and true our God is faithful and true faithfulness is not foreign to your recreated born again spirit amen it is something that God has placed on the inside of us when we're saved and as we grow and as we develop we should become more faithful day by day Did you know that God has placed certain abilities on the inside of every one of us? Yes, he has. Let's take a look at Matthew chapter 25 and track this through a little bit this morning. Matthew 25, it says in verse 14, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country, who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto... One, he gave five talents. Everyone say five. Five. To another two, say two. Two. And to another one, say one. One. Now notice, it was to every man according to his several ability, and straightway he took his journey. Now the Amplified says he gave to each in proportion to his own personal ability. Still another translation says, as much as he could handle... He gave according to his ability. How many of you know he knew the guy could handle five? He knew the guy that he gave two could handle two. 
Well, why did he give one five and the other two? He knew their ability. Plus, he's God. And he knows our grace. And he knows our abilities. There's a couple things about that that we need to recognize. God has given us abilities, whether one talent, two talents, or five talents. And he's also, along with those abilities, given us the opportunities to exercise those abilities and to exercise those gifts. So then the question that I have to ask myself, and the question you may need to ask yourself, is what am I doing with these abilities? What am I doing with these gifts? Now notice verse 16. Then he that received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that received two talents, he also gained two. But he that received one went and digged it in the earth and and hid his Lord's money. And after a long time, the Lord of the servants came and reckoned with them. So we see here that he was looking for them to give an account just like We must give an account for what we do with what God's given us. Verse 20. And so he that received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered unto me these five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. He doubled it. Everyone say double is doable. And notice what the Lord said to him in verse 21. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. Now I'm going to make you ruler over many things. Enter thou in to the joy of the Lord. So we see very accurately here that he was pleased. Verse 22. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. And behold, I have gained two others also beside them. And his Lord said, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I will make ye ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Notice it was the same commendation. He didn't commend one above the other. How many of you know that faithfulness matters? And these people, the one that had five and the one that had two, had the same degree of faithfulness. I want to say to you today that this, God doesn't necessarily reward quantity, but he always rewards faithfulness. Amen. 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 So it is most important then that we ask ourselves the question, what are we doing with what God has given us? Without exception, everyone here this morning wants to hear these words. Well done. Thou good and faithful servant, well done, enter in to the joy of the Lord. You know, it's not reasonable to think that we're going to hear well done if we hide our talents in the ground like the man did with one talent. It's not reasonable to think that we are going to hear well done, thou good and faithful servant, if we show up to church maybe once a month. You know, folks, (laughs) you can't get faithful when you get there. The good news is you're not there yet. Amen. It's not too late to make some adjustments. Now, that is if some adjustments need to be made. Uh 
Because the truth of the matter is, our God is so good, and He loves us so much, that He desires for every one of us to use what He's given us. Now notice verse 24. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew that thou art a hard man, reaping we have not sown, and gathering we have not strawed. And I was afraid, and went and hid my talent in the earth, and, and in the earth, there thou hast, that is thine. How many of you know that this guy was operating in the spirit of fear? Friends, fear will keep you from being faithful. Fear will keep you from doing the will of God. Insecurities and inadequacies, not thinking that God would ever use you, is a lie straight from the pit of hell. In Christ, you are not inadequate. In Christ, you are not insecure. In Christ, you are complete. In Christ, you are more than a conqueror. In Christ, you can do all things through Him and in Him and for Him for the glory of God. Somebody say amen. Amen. See, he believes some perverted things about the Lord. You're a hard man. God's not a hard man. God is love. Now notice verse 26. His Lord answered and said unto him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I sowed not and gather where I have not strawed. Here's what you should have done. You ought therefore to have put your money to the exchangers, and then at thy coming I should have received mine own with usury. God expects a return. He expects a return. Now, in the workplace and in the marketplace, sometimes a company will set certain goals. They will set certain quotas. In other words, there is an expectation from the employer for the employee to perform. Now, a coach, let's say of a world classic champion basketball team. If a coach has a five-talent guy that has the potential to be a superstar, and yet he's lazy? What is that coach's responsibility? A good coach will not let a superstar slide. A good coach will bench him. A good coach will encourage him. A good coach expects his players to execute. And that is why the San Francisco Giants are in the World Series. They got a good coach. And they're not necessarily more talented than the Los Angeles Dodgers, but they've got better chemistry. Did I hear a Oh, man, Mr. And your heavenly coach, he is going to strive to bring out the best in you. He knows who you are. He knows the best about you. He believes, come on, somebody, the best of you. And with your cooperation, with your heavenly coach, there is absolutely no reason, wherever you are at today, why you cannot hear, well done, son. Well done, daughter. Come on now. 
enter into the joy of the Lord your God. Notice verse 28. You know, we're better than just coasting through life. And I know life can be difficult. And I know there's challenges out there. I face some of the same challenges that you do. But challenges are no excuse for being unfaithful. Challenges are no excuse for not rolling up your sleeves and finding a place of service in the local church. In verse 28 he says, Thou take therefore the talent from him, the guy with one, and give it unto him that has ten talents. Notice verse 29. Read it with me. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance I don't want that happening to me. I want to steward the abilities God has given me. I'm not necessarily a ten-talent pastor. I don't know where my level of pastoring is. But I tell you what, whatever he's placed on the inside of me, I'll give account for. And I do want to hear, well done. And so do you. Oh, friends, we want to be faithful, don't we? I said we want to be faithful. I mean, from the front row to the back row, say it with me. I want to be faithful. faithful. Now say it with me. I I am faithful. Look at Psalm 31, verse 23. It's part of the born again experience. It's part of nurturing the attributes and becoming Christ like. Psalm 31, 23 says, Oh, love the Lord, all of you saints, for the Lord preserves the faithful. And he plentifully rewards the proud doer. One translation says, love the Lord, all you godly ones. For the Lord protects faithful people. Woo, glory. Man, I want to be kept. How about you? I want to be preserved. This is for the faithful. It's not necessarily for people who come to church on Easter and Christmas. Now, I know a lot of people don't like hearing this. I know it's not politically correct, but it is spiritually correct. Do I have verses on it? Do I have a word on it here? I absolutely do. And I'm not here to condemn you. And you serving in the church is not about me. It's not about Brenda. It's not about PT or Pastor Nancy. It's not really how much you love us. Because how many of you know that your love for us will be challenged sooner or later. (laughs) Just like my love for you will be challenged sooner or later. Amen? Amen. We're not perfect. We're human beings, right? It's not about because you love the pastor. It's about because you love God. And there's a world of difference there. I'm a nice guy. You know, you, you tell me, well, pastor, I just can't do that. I just can't make it. I'll tell you that's fine, but you better make sure it's fine with the Lord. And then people start being used in the church. They pray, oh, God, use me, use me, use me. And they start being used. And after a while, they say, I just feel like I'm being used. <laughs> Hello? We ought to be on a quest, on a quest to find out more about this and make sure that we are faithful, not out of fear, not out of pleasing man, but out of honor for him. 
Now I want us to take a look at Proverbs 28:20, and we're going to look at it in the NIV version. And you know, I've I've said these things before, but I'm surely I'm sure that it bears repetition. Now read this with me in Proverbs 28:20. Ready? Read. A faithful man will be richly blessed, but one eager to get rich will not go unpunished. The word richly means abundantly, amply, and I like this word, magnificently. Now notice this with me in this verse. The blessing part is his part. You can't bless yourself. The blessing part is his part, but the faithfulness part is our part. Now the truth of the matter is this. Many people simply do not qualify for more because they haven't been faithful with what they've already been given. Am I faithful to what I've been given? The older I get, the more cognizant and aware of I am of eternity. You know, we're all going there someday. Whether by rapture or by the grave, we're all going to go there. And so we want to make sure that we don't waste our time here on earth. Sure, there's natural things we must attend to. We don't want to become so spiritual we become no earthly minded. Or however that goes. We don't want to be so heavenly minded we're no earthly good. But we don't want to be so earthly minded that we're no heavenly good. Well done. Good and faithful servant. You see, the blessing of God isn't about crying and about pushing. It's not about demanding to get to another level. Increase and blessing comes to those who are faithful. It's really about qualifying. Now look at Luke chapter 16, verse 10. Luke 16, verse 10. Luke 16.10 says, He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in what? And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. You see, how we handle what God has given us, no matter how small or how large, determines whether we'll be given more. If he's going to add to our lives, we must be faithful right here, right now. Even though what we have may seem small, the size of our ability and the size of our responsibility is not the issue. The issue is what is in our heart. How many of you know he's looking at our heart? I'm telling you this morning, he's looking for a people at Heart of the Bay Christian Center that will be serious and faithful with a $5 assignment. With a $5 assignment. Mm -hmm. A little assignment. He's looking for people like that. So to be faithful simply means that which is stable, that which is steady, that which is reliable, that which is trustworthy... And that which is dependable. This is talking about the character and the nature of God himself. He is completely trustworthy. 
He is totally dependable. He is faithful. He is utterly reliable. He is worthy of all your trust. I mean, we shouted about it last week, about how God is faithful. And He is faithful. To be trustworthy, to be reliable. So if a person then, if a Christian is faithful, you can trust them. You can rely on them. We can reduce this teaching to one word. And that is this, God. God. What is faithful? Who is faithful? <laughs> Come on. God is faithful. I mean, everything I need to know about faithfulness, I just look at Him. Everything I need to learn about being faithful so I can cooperate with the Spirit of God on the inside of me comes by looking at Him. Hallelujah. Can we trust Him? Completely. Can we rely on Him? Now let's turn that around. Can He trust us? Can he rely on us? He's looking for people he can rely on. He's looking for people that he can trust. He's looking for a go-to person. Mike Morse in the eighth inning on Thursday night when they were down by one run, Mike Morse was that go-to person. And he was ready. And he was willing. And kapow was he able. That ball soared over the fence and the fans soared right with it. But he was a go-to person. He wasn't on the bench whining and complaining. No, he was going about his daily business of staying in shape. He was going about his daily business of mending and being healed. And he was their go-to person. God's looking for go-to people. He's looking for people that he can say, you know, I want you to sow this. Yes, Lord. I want you to go here. I want you to go there. I want you to call so-and-so, and I want you to encourage them. Well, I'm not sure whether that's the Lord or not. Well, go and do it anyway. I mean, the Lord certainly wouldn't want you to call somebody and discourage them. He would have you be an encouragement and be a blessing. Say with me, I am a blessing. I want to be that go-to person for the kingdom of God. So let's take a look this morning as we introduce this teaching about faithful and true. And as we look at this second installment, I, I don't want to move too quickly beyond this. And oftentimes, you know, when preachers, you know, talk about faithfulness, they talk about it from a crisis mode. You know, things aren't going good and things are on a downslide. Well, things are going good here. Amen. And things are going to get better here. Amen. So I, I, I'm not preaching this out of a need. No. I'm not preaching this out of a crisis. I'm preaching it for your benefit. Amen. Because I know what this will do in your life. I have seen it happen over and over and over again. People come into church... And just being faithful with what God has given them. And then all of a sudden, there's an increase of the anointing upon their lives. 
And they begin to do expertly the thing that God has given them to do. See, it's not just about you being faithful and being promoted to a pulpit. No, if you're an usher, the more faithful you are, the more keen and the more clear and the better you will get to be an usher if you'll be faithful with what he's put in your heart. Have you found out that to be true? Now, of course, I've seen people come to church and they were faithful and little and God brought them up and brought them up. And yes, many are in ministry today. But it's all about what God places in your heart. So what is it? What is it about him that makes him faithful? Number one, he's always there. He's always there. He's always there. He's always there. He's never late. What if he would have been late to the Red Sea? (laughs) Would have been big trouble. He's always there. Have you found out that to be true in your life? He's Jehovah Shammah. The Lord is there. He said, lo, I am with you always. Even to the end of the earth. Look at Hebrews chapter 13. Thank you, Lord. Hebrews 13. And I'm going to read it how I have it here. For he, God himself, has said, I will not in any way foul you nor give you up. I will not leave you without support. Now listen, in the Greek, he emphasizes this three times. In the Greek, he emphasizes this three times. Go back to verse 5. He says, I will not. I will not. I will not in any degree leave you helpless or forsake you, let you down. I will not relax my hold on you. Assuredly not. He wants us to have strong confidence in the fact that he will never, ever, he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He's not only with you, he's not only for you, but he's on the inside of you. And he said, I'm going to be a God unto you, and I will be a father unto you, and you will be my sons, and you will be my daughters. In every time in the crisis of life, I found that he was right there. Right there. In the good times of life, I've discovered that he's right there. He's always there. He's a friend. That sticks closer than a brother. He's faithful. He's there. He always will be there. He's completely reliable. He's totally trustworthy. Now can he count on you? Can he count on me? How do we see and how do we know that he's faithful? Because he's always there. How many of you know you cannot be faithful if you're not there? Can you be a faithful, come on now, can you be a faithful mom, dad, employer, or employee, leader, or worker in the church if you're never there? A faithful dad or mom is one who is there. Being faithful is being there. It's just being there. Alice, you were our secretary at that time. We were getting ready to preach in Paris and, and also to preach in Rome many, many years ago. And my youngest son 
was on the verge of a nervous breakdown. We were in Paris for 24 hours. We turned right around and came home to be with our son because it's more important for dad to be there for him than for us to be there for students. Always there. Now, not toot my own horn. That's just an illustration. Say it with me. God is there. You know who gets used? You know who gets used? People who show up. People who show up. Keith Moore was asked, how did you get, how did you believe God to be an instructor at Ramah? He says, I didn't. He said, I was just there. I was there. I was there. I was there. Are you there? Are you where you're supposed to be? Can't be a faithful leader. Can't be a faithful helper if you're never there. Say it with me. Faithfulness Faithfulness. is being there. there. So if an employee then is faithful, how would you know it? They're there. If a church member is faithful, how would you know it? Now listen, don't misunderstand me. This is not a legalistic message. That you must be in church three times a week and you must do this and you must do that. That's a bunch of rules and regulations and legalism will crush people's spirit. You should be there because you want to be there. That's good, George. Reverend George. Because you get to be there. Man, that's good right there. Say to me, I get to be there. In other words, you get in on what God is doing. Woo, glory to God. People that have excuses all the time. Excuses, excuses, excuses. We could look at scriptures on that. Basically what they're saying is I'm unfaithful. I'm unfaithful. Let's look at a couple examples in closing this morning. Can you imagine God being unfaithful? No, no, never. That's the same way it should be with us. Faithfulness, examples of it. How many of you know that Jonathan had an armor bearer? And we won't look at the scripture, but this was something else. There was a force, there was an army that was coming against Jonathan and Jonathan and the armor bearer were just two. And Jonathan looks over and says, you know what? His armor bearer, I believe we can take him. <laughs> I believe we can do this. And his armor bearer didn't say, you're crazy. Can I go home? What did his armor bearer say? His armor bearer said this. He said, I am with you. Do what you have in your heart. I'm with you. I'm there. I'm here. God gave him a miracle that day. How about Naomi and her two daughters? Her husband had died. Their husbands had died. And in chapter 1 of Ruth, uh, verse 8, And Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go return each to your mother's house, and the Lord, Lord deal kind with you. As you have dealt with the dead and with me. Verse 9. The Lord grant you that you might find rest each in the house of your husband. She was saying, stay here. I'm going. Stay. 
Verse 14, Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. She claved to her. And here's what Ruth said in verse 16 through 17. Entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I'm going. Wherever you lodge, I'm going to lodge. And your people shall be my people. And your God shall be my God. That's powerful. And then she says, where you die, hey, I'm going to die. And right there is the place that I'll be buried. And the Lord do so to me and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. Elisha, Elijah, my goodness. Elijah, a man of great miracles. He would go from place to place and Elijah would look at his servant, Elisha, and he said, you know, I'm going over here and you don't really need to come. It's okay. You just stay here and I'm going. He did that a few times. And Elisha said, as thy soul lives, Elijah, I'm not going to leave you. I'm here for you. Elisha was there. And Elijah looked at Elisha and says, what do you want anyway, boy? Well, Elisha was a prosperity man. He says, I want twice as much as you have. (laughs) He said, I want double. And then a whirlwind came and took Elijah away. And Elisha picked up his mantle and said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And in Elisha's ministry... He had twice as many recorded miracles that Elijah did. But it would have never happened if he wasn't there. Are you there? Are you where? God wants you to be. And whether it be here or in another place, my prayer for you right now, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you will take this word... And that you would work with your people on it. And Father, may there be an increase of the seed of grace, of love, of faithfulness that you've placed on the inside of every one of us. Let's stand to our feet.